What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 11, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Bloodlines. You can find us on Google Play Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you Once you find us, you can rate us and review us and give us a five-star rating. And uh, you can then tell your friends to do the exact same thing. And Please. then they shall do the exact same thing as you're doing, and it's going to be wonderful. And we're all going to have a great community of people that yeah. just love Stargate together. So that's yeah. that's what you can do. But yes. you can also get a hold of us. How yes, do they you get can a hold get of us, a hold Zach? of us. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. <laughs> that's just One of these fun. days. I'll, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll think of a jingle one of these days, but not today. Not yeah, today. We, you know, good, good listening audience, we need some jingles. And da-da, da-da, you were tasked. Uh, it's walking through the stargate at gmail.com Ooh, that's actually not bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can also get us uh follow us on twitter at stargate walking uh and it is my sad duty to inform you that i have been remiss and have not yet created our facebook page you know one of these days, Mark Zuckerberg is going to come over to my house because he knows where I live and he's going to knock on my door and he's going to say, hello, Brent. Uh, and he's going to rattle off all these details of my life. And he's going to look at me and he's going to say, you know, what's holding you back right now? It's the lack of a Facebook page for your podcast. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm you know, and, and I don't want you to have to experience that, Brent. <laughs> so well, thanks, I really, Zach. really need to get my act together yeah. on that. Sure. Um, uh, in other news, we are recording this on Thanksgiving Day. So, happy, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to everybody who's in America. If you're not in America, mm-hmm. well, then happy American Thanksgiving. Happy American Thanksgiving. <laughs> 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 go get yourself a, a turkey sandwich or something. There you go. That's right. So, uh, shall we get started, Brent? Yes, we shall. All right. So, uh, Bloodlines uh, was directed by Mario Azapardi. We've seen his name before. He directed Children of the Gods and Brief Candle. Mm -hmm. So, this is his third directing credit of five, again, all in the first season. So, we'll Mm -hmm. see his name a couple more times. And then, as far as Stargate, he will disappear into the ether. Poof. Um, poof. Yeah, he was born in Malta in 1950, which is, oh. I kind of thought that was kind of interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. He also directed a couple of episodes of the 1994 TV show Robocop. Oh, my. I don't. I okay, don't remember so, a 1994 no, yeah, TV show Robocop. I will absolutely admit to living under a rock for the majority of my youth. And so I had no idea that there was a Robocop television series. I, I hadn't either. Um, apparently, though, on IMDb, it is marked, among other things, as a comedy. It oh. also only lasted <laughs> one season. <laughs> I see. Okay. Well, then uh, I might need to uh, might need to investigate that for the for the for the for the chuckles. There you go. Uh, I, I have no idea what that was. Gonna, I have a hard time believing RoboCop to be anything remotely close to comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, but, no. uh huh. Yeah. But considering, especially the movie is gory as all get out oh yeah all right so yeah yeah all right so that's mario as a party uh the story bloodlines was by mark saraceni 
I don't know if I'm saying that right. This is his only Stargate SG-1 credit. Mm. Uh, actually, it's his only Stargate credit. Um, but he does got a good list of uh, other credits, notably Farscape. Uh, this becomes important because in, uh, well, for you and me, Brent, like 18 years, we'll get to season nine of Stargate SG-1 and we'll meet some of the characters <laughs> who were in Farscape who will then be in, in Stargate. Uh, <laughs> Hey, you know, by that time, we will have developed such a rich appreciation of the show. It's going to be great. There you it's go. Be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the writer of this, uh, he took Mark's story is Jeff F. King. Jeff F. King. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff F. 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 King. Uh, apparently on IMDb, one of his other names is Jeff King and Jeff Ree King and Jeff F. King and Jeff M. King. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff F. M? King. Yeah, huh. I, I don't know. Uh, Jeff F. King was actually on the list twice, and I'm like, that's interesting. There's so many Fs, it has to be twice. Yep. Jeff. Jeff F. King. King. Uh, well, no, it wasn't Jeff F. F. King. It was Jeff F. King and then Jeff yeah. F. King. Right. I'm just saying, like, oh. you know, like, just, just, just couldn't be enough with three Fs. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, he is actually... Uh, Credited as a co-executive producer for at least sub- several episodes this first season, uh, mm. and this is his uh, is one of three writing credits that are all in this season. Uh, mm-hmm. This is his second. The previous one was Cold Lazarus. Uh, do you remember mm-hmm. that one? That's the mm-hmm. one with I the sure uh, blue crystals yep. out there and uh, and the sulfur pits and the sulfur or, well, pits piles. The sulfur, sulfur piles. piles. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, so he. Uh, wrote three episodes of sg1 this is his second and uh uh, excerpts from these three episodes will be in several other episodes as the series progresses Uh uh so the original air date for bloodlines was october 10 1997 uh, and I'll give you a guess as to what was still on the charts in the uk at this point in time huh could it be a song by a particular Sir Elton John? Perhaps? It could be, perhaps. Uh huh. A song uh-huh. by yeah, dedicated to a certain uh, dead royal. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm gonna go with Benny and the Jets. Yeah. Wow. You got it. <laughs> Candle in the Wind, 1997, is still uh-huh. uh, at the top of the UK box office charts, and. Uh, it invaded the United States for this week as well. Uh-huh. So this week... Knocked off Boys to Men it then, It did eh? one knock off Boys to Men and became number one this week in the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what were people watching this week? Number one was Kiss the Girls. That's the same number one as last week. Oh, yeah. uh, uh-huh. The only new one on this list of top five is Seven Years in Tibet at number two. Yeah, I finally remember one. <laughs> you know, I remember the name, and I don't remember anything about what that one is about. That was, uh, I think that was the one with Brad Pitt, I think. Or I wait, maybe know. not. No, Whatever, the, there Brad was Pitt some... was in the movie Seven. No. Yeah, but I thought he was in this was one, he? too. I don't I remember. Was... Yeah. yeah, I'll look it up well, later. So, you audience members, you correct us, because we yeah. need to be corrected. Yeah. Uh, number three is Soul Food, four is mm-hmm. In and Out, and number mm-hmm. five is The Peacemaker. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what people were watching this weekend. Uh, other bits of information about this. Uh, so one day after this, on October 11th, Dennis Rodman returns to basketball after the second longest suspension in NBA history. He was mm-hmm. suspended for 11 games. Um I don't know if that really matters to anybody, but it was there, and I saw it. I'm like, okay. And then on October 12th, uh, Boris, the prince of Bulgaria, is born in Madrid, Spain. So Hmm. now he would be uh, 21 years old. So in the U.S., he can drink now. Yay. Good good on you, Boris. Hoist hoist a beer. Um, So there you go. Uh, As I look at the episode itself, um, uh Dreyak is played by um, Sally Richardson, and this is mm-hmm. uh, the only time we'll see Sally Richardson in this role. We will see Dreyak again, but it will be somebody else. You might recognize Sally Richardson. She played Dr. Allison Blake on the sci-fi series Eureka. Hmm. Um, I, I, she did look familiar to me. But. Yep, yep. So that's probably where you yeah. saw her. Yeah. Um, so that is uh, what I have for trivia. Uh, are you ready for the synopsis? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Once again, this synopsis is from the Stargate Command Wiki with my own edits and fixes because mm-hmm. it needs it. Here we go. All right, let's rock. During an experiment to remove Teal'c's symbiote and maintain his immune system with drugs, Teal'c begins to hallucinate and calls out the word Ryak. The experiment fails. Afterward, SG-1, along with General Hammond and Dr. Frazier, discuss other options to find a Gua'uld symbiote to experiment on. Teal'c uh, seems agitated during this meeting and then suggests that they go to Chulak to find a symbiote there. There's lots of them there. This suggestion is rejected outright by everyone around the table. Seeing that no more discussion will happen, Tilk leaves the briefing room. Concerned, O'Neill follows to check in on his friend. O'Neill discovers that Tilk left a wife and son back on Chulak. His son, Ryak, will soon undergo, undergo the ceremony of implantation when he will receive his first symbiote. Teal'c is adamant that this not happen. Teal'c is angry, not Teal'c, O'Neill is angry that Teal'c withheld this insight, especially after having sworn that he had no connection back on Chulak. Still, O'Neill and the rest of SG-1 are willing to back Teal'c up on this. Unfortunately, General Hammond is not convinced. In fact, he suspects that something is up with his top team, and he insists that O'Neill spill the beans or plan to sit on the bench. O'Neill relents and explains the situation. While they are talking, an alarm goes off. Teal'c is wearing his Jaffa armor and dialing up the Stargate for a solo trip to Chulak. Hammond stops him. Teal'c will die if he attempts this on his own. Seeing the resolve of the Jaffa... Hammond relents and sends all of SG-1 to Chulak for this rescue mission. A little while later, SG-1 prepares to leave for Chulak, disguising themselves as scholars of the Court of Apophis. Teal'c tells Jack that he is in his debt. Jack states it's nothing, and then tells Hammond that they are ready to ship out. SG-1 returns to Chulak and finds themselves facing two head priests along with some of Apophis's Jaffa guards. That 
that sentence needs a little rework. It's yeah. a couple of head priests, not a two head priest. <laughs> <laughs> they face two head priests. I mean, this is a show about aliens. It's possible. It is. Right? It's conceivable. Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, I, I was running out of time, and so I didn't have a chance to fix. Oh that no, 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 no. I, I mean, apologize. it's not even you. I'm just, I'm just, I, as as you were saying, and I was like, you know, like, wait a minute, a two. Oh no, 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 two head priests. After convincing the guards at the Stargate to let them pass, they make their way to Teal'c's old home. When they arrive, they find the remains of a house burned down as a warning to the Jaffa of Teal'c's treachery. Teal'c is despondent. The rest of the team tries to convince him that there's no evidence that his family was in the house when it burned. While they are at the house, they are discovered by a Jaffa warrior. Teal'c recognizes him immediately as Braytak, his mentor and friend and the one who helped convince Teal'c that the Gua'uld are not gods. Since being declared Shulva, that is, outcast, cursed, condemned, as a result of Teal'c defecting to the Tauri, Teal'c's family has been demoted in Jaffa society and live in a primitive camp. Braytak takes O'Neill and Teal'c to Teal'c's family, while Captain Samantha Carter and Dr. Daniel Jackson watch the gate. On their way to the gate, Carter and Jackson spot priests delivering a container of Gua'uld larvae to a nearby temple and follow. At the camp, Teal'c interrupts the implantation ceremony, the Primta, and rescues his son. Dreyak, Teal'c's wife, is none too happy with the low straits that Teal'c's actions have brought their family to. Worse, Teal'c's son is suffering from the equivalent of scarlet fever. If they can get him through the gate in time, there's a chance Earth Medicine can save him. So they head off for the gate. Meanwhile, Daniel and Sam sneak into the temple and steal a larva, but as they walk away, Daniel wants to kill the remaining larva to prevent them from taking human hosts in the future. Sam argues that it is immoral to kill them as they are now. If they did that, they'd be no better than the Gua'uld. Daniel appears to agree, but as they are leaving, he changes his mind, changes his mind, just the singular mind there, uh, turns around and shoots the tank, destroying it and killing the symbiotes inside. Daniel's actions alert the priests, and soon the two find themselves being chased by some Jaffa warriors. Sam ends the pursuit with a well-placed grenade. They then meet up with Jack, Teal'c, and the others. Jack explains that they couldn't get back to the Stargate in time to save Ryak. As such, Teal'c chose to give up his own symbiote so that Ryak uh, might be cured. Teal'c's sacrifice means that his immune system is shutting down quickly and he is getting close to death. Jackson and Carter reveal that they have a symbiote. Braytag takes it and puts it in Teal'c's symbiote pouch. Teal'c begins to recover and the group heads for the Stargate. As Ryak recovers, Teal'c once again says goodbye to his wife and son, but he promises to one day return. At the gate, Braytag takes out the guards single-handedly, which then allows SG-1 to return home. The end. The end. They definitely skipped over some parts there. Yeah, I know. I, I was sitting there looking at that, and I'm like, uh... I mean, they're zipping through, and they're, you know, they're completely ignoring the, um... I don't even think they really brought up the whole uh, Teal'c versus... Oh, what's his wife's name? Um, Dreyak. Dreyak. Yeah, I mean, like, granted, that thing also kind of got resolved a little too swiftly at the end of the episode, but still, like, <coughs> that was a big deal. That's true. Like, she was she was ticked off. 
ticked off, man. She was pissed. Uh Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, okay. So, Brent. Yeah. Bloodlines. Yeah. What did you think? I thought this episode was going to be better than it was. (laughs) 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 I I was like, hey, all right. We're going to, we're going to go back and we're going to kick some Jaffa ass and it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, um, it was fine. It just kind of, it definitely felt like an episode that probably, at this point, I don't know if it is helping me understand anything meaningful about any of the characters in a way that will pay off later in the season or in later seasons. Now that's not to say that it can't, um, there's a lot of motivation behind, uh, Teal'c that was revealed in this episode. And so that's not for nothing, but on the same token, it just kind it felt artificial. It really did feel artificial. Kind of came out of the kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, this prepackaged drama that that Teal'c was harboring, and all of a sudden the team has to act upon. And you know, the net result was that he made good with his wife and son, um, and theoretically, you know, laying the groundwork for some kind of rebellion or resistance on Shulak. But, um, you know, I don't know, it was 40 minutes of television that could have also been accomplished in sort of a sub arc of something else. It just, it just, it, it, it just wasn't really that in, wasn't that interesting. Hmm. And that's even giving credence to all of the sort of the emotional hook things. Like I said, like I said before, I'm kind of like, I'm a bit of a sucker for that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's plenty of, um, there's plenty of parent child drama on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to see Christopher judge, uh, cry on command. So, you know, that was interesting. Um, I, I think he did it a couple times. And also, uh, you know, I got to see new levels of the teal crown. I don't think that the corners <laughs> of his mouth could have gotten much lower without it falling off of his face. Uh, so that was interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean like kind of overall, this one was kind of a meh episode. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I won't disagree with you on much of any of that. That said, um, I really liked Christopher Judge's acting in this. Yeah. I especially liked that moment uh, when when he's you know trying to get through the Stargate and he's talking to Hammond and and he's got this look of resolve on his face that he's going to go through this gate and then Hammond uh, you know relents and says, "Which I'm now." Which is why I'm going to let the whole SG-1 crew go. And then it goes back to Teal'c, and you see this look on his face that doesn't change. It's just as stoic and stony as it was a moment ago. And yet there is a remarkable sense of surprise that popped up into his Mm -hmm. eyes. I'm Mm -hmm. like, wow, your eyes said, holy crap. Yeah. And the rest of your face was like. You know, I, I, I was being. Yes. And I'm being a little harsh. Um, you know, I'm standing by my overall assessment, but yeah, there's definitely some moments in that episode when I was watching it and I was, um, marveling at Christopher judges acting chops. Cause mm-hmm. I think you told me he was a football player or something like, yeah, he, he started his life as a football player, which I mean, doesn't mean to say that he couldn't have been like a drama nerd or something, you know, but while also being a football star, like it's all possible, but on the same token, yeah. it's just not something I expect. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Other things that. You know, I agree with you that this is a story that that does kind of just 
plot along mm-hmm. and it just kind of goes from point to point to point. Uh, it, it, frankly, it feels to me as I watch this, uh, like an episode that is setting up a whole bunch of things so that they can do something with them later, but yeah. you don't see anything that happens here. Right, and that's okay. Um, I'm just deeply suspicious. I just got a feeling that that like a couple of these little story arcs are going to come up later. A couple of these things are going to be like, like uh, uh, elements that get tied in at some point in the future, but it didn't have to be explored in this manner. So as a result, this just felt a little, like I said, it feels artificial. Yeah, I'm not arguing that point Mm -hmm. at all. Um, um, I I did like uh, the the relationship between Dreyak and and Tilk, though. Um, You know, they just kind of are are adversarial, and yet they at least come together in this moment because they have a shared love of their son Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and, and, and such. Um, you know, so I got that Braytac. Yeah, I I thought I liked the introduction of Braytac in this, where you see this this kind of old stodgy Jaffa guy come oh, yeah. in, and and then you know he kind of spars a little bit with with O'Neill, and uh, then O'Neill you know is like you know I'm really in charge. Shut up, human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was uh-huh. I like that. I, I mean, and I like the wiry old guy character yep. quite a lot. Yep. Um, one of the things that I uh, really thought was awful from a production standpoint. Um, actually, I liked the production of just about everything mm-hmm. except for the hot, two-headed high priest. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, the two head priests. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but their symbol on their forehead looked like yeah. a three-year-old stenciled it on. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was like, it almost looked like it was cut in. Well, it was like, I mean, it was like a, a, a an oval or a circle yeah. with sort of a silver X through it. Yeah, And yeah, it yeah, just yeah. didn't look clean. It just looked messy and sloppy. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, some of the other priests and, and the Jaffa themselves... Um, we're fine. That was mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, but, but boy, for, for those two head priests, uh, I just thought that, that was ugly and they didn't fix it. They didn't. And it's just like, oh. they, they had more important things to do than to they did. take care they did. Of, their, of their makeup. Yep. They had, so, uh, they had, um, they had incursions to stop <laughs> going in and out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure out, though, what's their purpose? Did they just, yeah. did the two priests, do they happen to be at the gate? Right. Are they part of the guard? I mean, it, under, it makes sense to have guards at the gate. Yes. That I can buy. But why would you have two priests there? And, like, um, and like have them just hang out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just, and, and clearly they must be hanging out there as part of something because, uh, not only were they when there when they first arrived, but they were also there as they were exiting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that clearly is their position. But why are we sending our priests there? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. When, when they first I didn't popped, get that. Yeah. When they first popped through the gate and the priests were there, like I didn't really care. I was just like, oh, and there are priests here. Um, you know, like that's okay. That's totally possible. But yeah, when it's like when they are part of the antagonists at the end, 
preventing the SG one team from getting through the gate so that uh so that Ricardo Montalban has to go like fight him off. Like it's break tech. It's break Yeah, whatever him. Uh it was <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a little like, why are they here? And and you know, like I'm used to science fiction and fantasy elements having priests be like magic wielders. And so uh, you know, like are these guys really like you know? Are the warriors the you know the shoot 'em up bang bang type muscle? And these guys are the like, and now you will face the wrath of my zappies. Um, Apparently not. Nah, they were just kind of there to be <clears throat> punching bags. Yep. Yep. Um, so you have that. Um, so anything else that you have to say about this fine? feathered episode there was one point there so when carter and jackson went to go steal some larva um, yes and like jackson gets that wild look in his eye and like he goes for his gun and carter goes don't do it because you're just going to be just as bad as they you know when that line was delivered i was like cheesy but true right that's the point um if if all you're going to do is just way, lay waste to your enemies in a way where you are not trying to comprehend them, then you are literally exactly the same as those that you are trying to defeat. And I'm like, all right, cool. We got in our moral message of the day. I'm like, what? Jackson? <laughs> it's like, yeah. it just didn't feel like it. I, I, maybe that's maybe this is me struggling a little with um, trying to keep the Shaw Ray storyline in my head just because there doesn't seem if Jackson is so tormented by his wife and friend being abducted by the Gould um, so far the writing and the portrayal of Daniel Jackson isn't really haunted enough Right. Like, I think that uh, the character is written and played right now in a fine way. It's he's scientifically inquisitive. He is um, trying to seek understanding and knowledge. Uh, It makes sense. Uh, It jives with with, uh, uh, you know, established elements of the character, even going back to the movie. Like it all it's all it all stands up. And then we have this little hook that got introduced at the very beginning of the television series where. Uh, you know, a couple of beloved characters are now suddenly abducted by the bad guys, and mm-hmm. Jackson is really, tor- you know, he's like, "Oh no, this is terrible!" And this is this is my motivation for trying to find blah blah blah. Um, that's good. I keep having to shove that back into my understanding of Daniel Jackson. I keep having to be like, "Right, Charay." I keep forgetting about her. Um, which is kind of terrible, but you know, like, and so therefore these moments kind of feel a little off-putting. It's like, you know, the, the episode before he is not wanting to leave this fountain of knowledge because that's who he is. And then in this one, he's turning around and he's willing to like commit xenocide at a big scale as, as best he's able to, um, just because he has a grudge and it just, it just feels a little jarring. I'm not going to argue with you one iota on mm-hmm. that. Um, I I like the character of Daniel Jackson in this first season, um, but uh, uh, the the writing and I guess ultimately it, it comes down to the writing here. Um, yeah. Because uh, I know that Michael Shanks is a good actor, mm-hmm. 
and he can do the I love Shaw Ray thing, and he can do the I'm motivated by sure. knowledge and all oh, that yeah. stuff. But but the writing, um, you know, I like the way that they're going with Daniel Jackson, but you don't get. Uh, every time they bring in Sharae into the mix, it feels like they're grafting on a third oh, yeah. arm. Uh-huh. And yeah. then they're working with it for a little bit. And then, okay, now that we've done that, we can ungraft it and move on. <laughs> um, okay, I'm, we I'm got that gonna... out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the science. <laughs> science! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm with you on that one. Uh you know uh, the uh, the the portrayal of of Jackson's relationship with Share is um, uncertain. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. Nobody quite knows exactly what to do with that. Um, and, and you know, I, and I don't doubt that that he loves Sharae, and I don't doubt that she loves him, sure. and I don't doubt that they actually fit well together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I buy all of that, but it, it it's hard to follow the, that as as a strong motivation for how the character is being written and portrayed uh, in every episode that doesn't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said. That said, the uh, 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 you know that's some pretty cold qualities of Jackson right there. I mean, he oh, sits yeah. there. He's like, okay, I'm not going to do it. No, I turn around, bang, 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 yeah, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. Blows the snot out of that stuff. Yeah. And then you see that that shot of of you know the the water spilling everywhere and all these dead gold symbiotes um, lying there. Yeah. Um, uh, that that's cold. I mean, I you know, um, and I get it, right? They're the bad, bad, bad guy. I I get it. I understand what's going on. It just it it feels like there's capacity for more complexity. Um. Uh, that it doesn't have to necessarily be these are the good guys and these are the bad guys and the bad guys must always die. So. Right. Right. Well, I think this ultimately says something about Daniel. Daniel mm-hmm. has some some ghosts that he needs to oh, work through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that I buy. Actually, I don't think that this is out of character for Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I watched this scene, and while I, I am somewhat shocked that he kills everyone, I'm not thinking like, whoa, Jackson would never do that. What's he doing that for? I buy that he would do that. Yeah. Yeah, um, but in the way that we were just talking about, and you described it as grafting on, and I said like I keep, I keep forgetting about Sharae. Um, see, I'm not certain this actually this particular thing. Well, I agree with you on the, the whole Sharae. I don't know if this has anything to do with 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 that. I think. Um, oh, uh, like this could still fit within an acceptable character arc, even if we didn't know anything about Sharae, because. Holy moly, there's something about his past that we don't know yet that kind of causes him to be a bit unhinged well, when it comes to that know, stuff. Whatever, whether, I mean, you know, he, he there's something with, with the Gua Wuld, even beyond Share, uh, that, that, you know, he doesn't like. Yeah. I'm not certain what that is. Um, I think there probably is some revenge in there, but, right. um, but, uh, you know, there there is something in what has happened to him in the past. Um, you know, some of it has to do with Sharae. Um, but actually, I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm going to go around. No, in no, no, no. I mean, right. And, you know, you also have the distinct advantage of actually knowing much about his arc and where I don't. Um, and, but, you know, in this particular spot, in this particular story, halfway through, right, it, it just, it's jarring. I was jarred. Are you a door? Uh, uh, the door uh, uh, is ajar. Uh, the door is ajar. And then, and then, I'm switching gears on you. There was okay. one thing with the story. I really, I'm, I'm totally a, um, I'm totally I'm a backseat driver with this stuff. But I tell you, I think that there could have been a much cooler ending at the with the uh, uh, Teal and Teal's son and um, and Ricardo Maltabon and uh, Braytag. Braytag, that's him. Uh, that so. Teal it's gives not even his, played by Ricardo Montalban. Uh, it's, it's Tony Amendola. That's who it Sorry. is. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> it, it was <laughs> it was so 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 Teal's son Rayak Rayak um, Rayak Zoot Suit Rayak uh, was uh, uh, dying, and so uh, Teal uh, sacrificed his symbiote, and therefore was willing to sacrifice himself. Right? That was great. Um, yep. Great moment. And, you know, obviously something has to happen to save Teal'c. Um, you know, is this the moment that they get him through the gate and they discover how to keep him alive without the symbiote or blah, blah, blah. I don't know. And it just kind of felt like there could have been a really rad hook or a really rad moment if Braytac had sacrificed his symbiote for Teal'c. Hmm. Right? Like... 130 year old dude or whatever old he was um uh basically saying you know what i've i've done my job i have uh i have created a generation of rebels um these rebels are now starting to make new generations of rebels by uh, by, by rebels you mean rebel rebel Oh yeah, well, yeah, fine. I mean, well, Teal'c is okay. so sorry, no, the only rebel. No, yeah, y- yes, you're 100 right. I have to assume that he's done more than just tell this one dude. Like that's <laughs> that does seem a little bit like really. Like you you've held this idea that the that the that the Gua'uld are false gods, and you told precisely one person who has bolted. <laughs> Who's just like, I have discovered the truth. I must leave this world. And off he goes. And there isn't like at least like 15 other people scattered throughout here, there and yon that like that, that also have shared that kind of knowledge or I don't know. I mean, yes, I hear what you're saying, Zach, but on the same token, it's like, really? Like there's only one. So, okay, fine. If there's only one, then it makes sense that Braytac would not sacrifice himself because he's got more rebellion to lead. But on the other hand, like. It would have been cool if there was a bit of this 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 tiny tiny seed of rebellion on Chulak that is overwhelmed and can't um, expose themselves just yet because they're not there. They don't have the strength in numbers. And um, here's uh, Teal'c's son Ryak uh, carrying the torch for another generation, and it's facilitated through this father to son. Uh, handing off of the symbiote and a father figure to son figure handing off of the symbiote, right? You know, like that would have been a mm-hmm. nice like bookend type thing, but it didn't happen. Instead, yeah. we get Bray Tack um, walking up to the two headed priest and just wiping the floor with them, and then <laughs> and then fondly waving farewell, goodbye, goodbye. I am now off. I'm now off to do more. St-. You know, like and that was the thing that kind of wrapped up a little bit weird too. 
like here he is being a seed of rebellion, at least how I was interpreting it at the time, and then doing an act of outright rebellion, like flat out assaulting other people from his own group. And he's like, tra-la-la, I will see you later. And, you know, off he goes. That's the end. Well, he's going to cross that bridge when he comes to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, okay. Come on. Who was the writer on this one again? Uh, Jeff F. King, story That's by right. Mark Jeff uh, King. Come on, Jeff King. Jeff King. Get it you know, together. This is, you know, I will say that, you know, this is only his second credit for this, yeah, and well, he only has three, so maybe is, there's a reason for that. Yeah, it sounds like this was only his second um, time writing anything. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh <burn. laughs> uh, You know, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on on how it ended with Braytech. While it was cool to see Braytech kick their asses and all sure. that stuff, even for a guy of 133 right. um, uh, and all of that stuff, it does kind of end weird because Braytech's like, hey, you know what? Uh, I just beat those guys up. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, I'll worry about it later. No big deal. Uh, and then we all go about our business. Yep. That felt a little bit weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the idea of Braytech saying, oh, well, Tio, you gave up your symbiote for your son, so let me give up my symbiote for you because you're kind of like my son. I don't bah. like that one. So it's a great so idea. You 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 can have your idea. <laughs> I love you very much for it, but but I'm gonna disagree with you, and I don't think Fine. that that would have worked well. Fine. Fine. All right. Well, that's all I have. Okay. Well, I think that's about all I have. So now I think it's that time for our ratings. ratings. So Brent, yeah. out of seven chevrons, huh? how would you rate? Uh, bloodlines. So, as I said, I was kind of looking forward to this one, and then I watched it, and I was like, huh. Ah, that was a show. Um, <laughs> this one, it, it definitely feels like there's lots of this episode. I don't know if you can hear one of my cats behind the scenes here saying hello. Um, uh, it definitely feels that like... Uh, that happens to be Ash. Ash. Uh, hi, Ash. Ash is, Ash is saying hi. He's like, it's time for dinner. Feed me. Where's my turkey? Um, he. Uh, so this episode, I really think that there were elements of this story which could have been folded into other stories and would have been just as successful uh, moving some of the character elements forward. Um, the, at the end of this episode, I feel like uh, Teal'c is a bit more... Uh, uh, he's not as two-dimensional. Uh, there's a bit more character depth. I'm understanding some motivation. Uh, there is this uh, little seed of a story of a foment of rebellion on Shulak within the Jaffa. Like there's 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 a couple there's a couple of few little nuggets that are pretty good, but all of that could have been done in the service of a different story, which would have been more exciting and more interesting. Uh, this one felt like filler television. This one felt like kind of like a, we got to produce 40 minutes of something. So here we go. Um, I might be overly harsh on this one. It might pan out later on that it's super cool and I've been being silly in this harsh treatment, but at the moment it's just kind of meh. So as a result of it being meh, I am giving it a meh three chevrons. Three chevrons from Brent. Brent mm-hmm. gives Bloodlines three chevrons. Me, what do I give this episode? Um... This is an episode that's going to be challenging for me to rate. 
because I know where all of these little threads pan out. Yeah. And personally, for me, I like where they go. Um, and so this is the episode that, that sets those seeds in play. Mm-hmm. And now I have to say, oh, so I look back, oh yeah, this is the episode when we, right. you right. know, when we meet Braytech, when we meet Ryak, when we learn about, you know, all of this stuff. And I'm like, ooh. Yeah. So now I have to rate this episode by itself. By itself. By itself. No, no and time lord. No time lord. No in the future stuff. Nope, nope. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in this episode, I really like <laughs> Teal'c's acting. Christopher uh-huh. Judge's acting. Uh-huh. I like the expansion of Teal'c's backstory mm-hmm. in this. Um, he's much more three dimensional at the end of this episode than he is at the beginning of the episode. Um, uh, you got to see them experiment with his ghoul world and see if he could survive without it, mm-hmm. um, which is something that he clearly is hoping that he could do at some point in time. And that's something that he wants. Um, uh, but it's kind of a dull story. It just kind of moves there. There's really nothing that happens. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, a day in the life of Brent and a day in the life of Zach right. and a day yeah. in the life of Teal. I'm right. going to give this three stars. Uh-huh. Three chevrons. Three chevrons. Yep. Chevron three. Locked. Chevron three. <laughs> locked. Uh, you know what engaged. Do you know engaged. what this uh, would have, uh, um, you know what it would have made it a four chevron episode for me? What? If I had seen Radar. If you had seen Radar. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, Radar was not no in No Radar. No radar. No radar, no, no radar. extra chevron. Nope. Um, nope. So um, as we move to the next step here, uh, so a couple of episodes ago, yeah. uh, we were talking about, uh, I don't remember what we were talking about. Uh, uh, if I could look, at, I could look it up here, it would have been the, the Thor's Hammer. We were talking about Thor's Hammer. And in the process of all of that, I said something about... Uh, uh, you know, because we were—that's t- right. Because we were talking about James Earl Jones. That's what it was. Oh yeah. And uh, and and I said that uh, you know the whole spoilers thing about uh, 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 James Earl Jones, i.e., Darth Vader being yes, uh, 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 Luke's Luke's son, Luke no Luke's father. father. Yeah. Other way around. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm spoiling a movie that is older than me. Yeah. And uh, uh, my brother called me out and said, that's not true. The first movie is older than you by like three months, uh, but the second movie is not older than you, you are. You and, and, caught and, yourself, and, and that's what I needed to point out. So I need to, you know, call my brother to task. Yes, on the air. Yes, like I corrected myself in that episode so when he called me it had been like two weeks since we recorded that and so i remember saying that but i didn't remember exactly what happened and i'm like "Uh, okay so so i'll have to so so. your brother's defense because i'm the one who's responsible for mixing this stuff i remember that there was crosstalk that was happening as you were clarifying it and then we immediately moved on so it's it was okay. difficult to hear you say, oh, actually, the first one is older than me. And then the second one was a little bit later. But there, but like, no, you did. You did. Um, you did point out that that was actually technically not true, not correct. You corrected it and moved. And then we moved along. But uh, right. So, right. So, Zach, you're right. I'm right. <laughs> 
might be the first and last time that will ever happen. Uh, okay. Anyway, all right. Okay. Sorry. All right. So the next episode, Brent, is Fire and Water. Uh-huh. Fire and Water. What is Fire and Water about? Fire and Water. The SG-1 team is taken into the briefing room where General Hammond stands before them and goes, Lady and gentlemen, I need to tell you today that today we're going to be doing some stuff on the base that is very important for the, for the, entirety, the entire safety of the SG mission. All of this is going to be extremely important and it demands your attention. You need to be well-versed in these protocols, otherwise there could be great calamity that could befall this facility in the event that there should be something where you need to know this information. He goes on like this for quite some time. And in the end, they discover that what he needs them to learn about is fire safety. Specifically, you can't put water on every type of fire. But the SG-1 team doesn't listen, and they discover that when you put water on a grease fire, it explodes. Next time on Stargate SG-1, will the SG-1 base burn into a conflagration of hamburger grease? Or will they listen and understand that a Type B fire extinguisher is different than a Type A fire extinguisher? Tune in. That is another exciting episode of Stargate. <laughs> Actually, um, I can't remember which type of fire extinguisher handles or which one is that water type. Whatever. To, anyway. To be fair, you did not specify that in That's your good point. you know, you just said there is a difference between That's you didn't specify there is which a difference. for which. There is a difference. I wouldn't That's be able right. to tell you which one's for which either. I can't remember. Uh, I want to point out to you, just to whet your appetite on this next episode. Uh-huh. The teleplay. Yeah. Is by your good friend and mine. <laughs> yeah. Ms. Catherine. Oh, no! Catherine! How is this possible? I can't give nine chevrons on a seven <laughs> chevron scale. It's impossible. It is impossible to give the next episode nine chevrons. Uh, am I going to see it? Am I going to see the zenith of television? Am I, gonna, am I going to give seven chevrons? Well, let's watch the promo and find out. All right. Are you ready? I am almost ready. Okay, yes. And I'm hitting go. Okay. A fatal encounter tears SG-1 apart. Where's Dr. Jackson? Daniel Stetson. Now they must what? wake up the pieces. What? Just Colonel, help me. Meaning's gone. But the memory of Daniel's tragic death keeps on them. Saw him die. We all did. And the only way to lay him to rest. Help him! Is for SG-1 <sighs> to uncover the truth. We're going back. On the next Stargate SG-1. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> oh! I tell you what. That looks pretty rad. And we will find out next time what Fire and Water is really all about. Well, it's about Daniel Jackson kicking the bucket of water. Well, that there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's Fire and Water. That uh, so, good. Brent. Yeah. Do you have anything other, any last comments before we close out? Uh, nope. I think we're good. Um, uh, this was, uh, this, this past episode is kind of, bleh, but I'm looking forward to the next one. Got to tell you. Okay. All right. 
I am uh, looking forward to hearing your responses. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yep. So tell us what you think about Bloodlines. Tell us what you think about uh, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strike Back, and A New mm-hmm. Hope. Tell mm-hmm. us what you think about any of this. Tell us what you think about Brent's hair. They can't see my you, hair. Yeah, can't. but they can still tell us what you think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can just make guesses. <laughs> If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, mm-hmm. or you can follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking yeah. and uh, comment and post and uh, uh, tell us what you think of this episode and mm-hmm. uh, of upcoming episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you think that uh, you like uh, you like the whole thing with uh, Share and Daniel here at the beginning of the season and disagree with us, you let us know. If you think that we're spot on, uh, tell us that you agree. Whatever it is, let yeah. us know what you think yeah. so that we can tailor our podcast to our <laughs> own desires. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure, okay, yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, on that note, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. See ya. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.